Welcome to HR Latte, your connection to all things HR. Today's great HR department is foundational for today's successful business. Listen in as host Rayanne Thorne gets personal with practitioners and technologists, experts and thought leaders who care about the world of human resources. And now for your next cup of talent management, whipped to perfection. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to HR Latte and my series, Building Organizations That Leap Tall Buildings in a Single Bound. I'm speaking in this series with Ron Weens, who's the author of that book of the same title. Hey, Ron, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure again. I'm looking forward to today's conversation. Me too. Can you just give us a quick background of yourself? Sure. 40 years ago, I started in project management, very young, 20-something, and my boss came to me and said, Ron, can you do a turnaround? We have a failing project. And uh, being more confident of my abilities than I had any right to be, I said, sure. I went in there, took it over, and found out that the guy who had 20 years' experience on me was doing everything right from a management perspective, yet it was still failing. And so I thought, this is the time for experimentation. And I started doing things a bit differently, and uh, it worked. It was a small project. They rewarded me. I got a bigger, dirtier project to turn around. Eventually, I got a reputation for doing turnarounds. I went on, and I uh, formed my own company, and I was doing turnarounds of 10 to $500 million projects involving 100-plus people spanning two or three years. Every time I got a turnaround, I, I would stop and think at the end of it what worked, what didn't work, and why. And uh, I eventually eventually uh, developed a, an approach that I could share with others, and they could get the same results. And about 25 years ago, I said, hmm, I'm getting such extraordinary results in moving things from worst in class to best in class. I wonder if this would apply to organizations as a whole. So sure as shooting, I got very similar results, and my book is sharing some of that knowledge, and that's what we're talking about here today. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Ron. I really appreciate your willingness to share the knowledge that you've gained over the years in your practice, your project management practice. We have been talking about uh, the the things that have been are discussed in your book, Building Organizations That Leap Tall Buildings in a Single Bound. Anybody who wants to take a look at this book or wants to find out more information about you, they can go directly to your website, ronweens, W-I-E-N-S dot com. They can also reach out to you through that same website, correct? That's correct. And on my website, I also have all my white papers. Uh, there's no subscription required. There's no identification required. You don't have to leave a name. You can go and take any white paper that you deem relevant. Perfect. And we'll also share that link in the bio of this show and all the shows that are in this series. So last on our last conversation, we talked about emotional intelligence. Now we're going to stretch into relationship intelligence. And in your book, you describe relationship intelligence is understanding the value of relationships and having the ability to grow productive relationships whenever you need to. So I'm guessing we're talking specifically about work, but what I have found in my own life is that a lot of the work practices that are successful for me, I've been able to turn them around and use them in my private life, in my own personal life, uh, again, additionally with my professional life to benefit me. Can the same be held true for relationship intelligence as you speak about it here in the book? Absolutely. Everything I'm going to share with you in terms of how you build relationships in the workplace and how you maintain them, and that is part of the key, uh, most of it is directly transferable to all parts of your life. 
That's wonderful. Uh, so what you talk a bit about creating and then sustaining, which I'm going to attribute to the maintaining the relationship. So let's dive yeah. right in. Talk about how can you create relationship intelligence in the workplace where it carries over into your private life? If I may, before we go there, sure, I would like to talk about why they're important in the workplace. Ah. That's not seen as obvious by a lot of people. Right. Well, a and, lot of people, a lot of people keep their private life out, life out of the work, work environment, right? And they don't want anybody to see the real them. They carry this mask around with them. And I've, yeah. I've worked with many people. I have never known the real person. And once we stopped working together, I discovered fascinating things that I didn't know before, which I wish I had known when we were working together because it definitely would have altered my relationship with them at work. And it would have altered the productivity you had with them at work. And that is not appreciated, especially by the male portion of our population. (laughs) Very interesting. Relationship intelligence is, for me, of the three intelligence, emotional intelligence, relationship intelligence, and corporate intelligence, relationship intelligence is probably the simplest of the three to understand, the simplest of the three to build, but it probably gives the biggest return on investment, as well as relationship intelligence for me personifies, is the poster child of the difference between industrial age management and knowledge age management. A key feature of the knowledge age, which is different from the industrial age, is that the whole in the knowledge age can be a lot more than the sum of its parts. By that I'm saying if you have 20 people in your company or if you have a 1,000 people in your company, what you get from them can be a lot more than the actual people that you have on on payroll. And it comes down to something that seems intangible. In, In the industrial age, the space between people was irrelevant. You manage the body, and each body was given a task, and if they did the task well, and if everybody did the task well, the company succeeded. That's not true in the knowledge age. In the knowledge age, the space between the people is where the magic is. And I, I want to talk about that magic. Stephen Covey Jr. in The Speed of Trust uh, makes an evidence-based case, and I'm going to quote him exactly here, that the total return to shareholders in high-trust organizations is almost three times higher than in low-trust organizations. So what he's saying is that if you have a high-trust, you can outperform by 300%. Wow. A low-trust organization, intangible return to the stakeholders. In the IT industry, which has been tracking and comparing projects for the past 40 years through a technique called function points, a best-of-breed project is defined as one that comes in at one-third of industry norm. There's that 300% gain again. And this has been my experience. When I moved projects, teams, divisions, and organizations from worst-in-class to best-in-class, that 300% gain was there. Here's the magic. It's as though there is the energy of four additional people between any two people in your organization. And relationship intelligence is one of the keys to bringing this additional energy into play. Imagine that. The energy of four additional people exists between any two people within your company. So I'm fascinated by what you stated about the 300% return versus what we might not see if there is not that relationship or the between space field. Um, 
so often, and I mentioned this at the top of the, our conversation, we feel like we need to not bring who we are into work, just what we know, right? Just what we know instead of how we communicate, yep. how we interact, how we develop relationships, which for many of us is so important in our private life. So it's fascinating to me that we wouldn't consider how important that is in our work life and how it can contribute to building a culture. Uh, well, go ahead. And that's because we have been brought up, even though we are not in the industrial age anymore, the management style in organizations is still predominantly industrial age. Right. Each person is a separate person. I can draw a bubble around them. Right. Do, go do their task. So that's how you were brought up. Uh, basically and, robots, basically the machinery, you know, automatons in a factory that are given one task, perform that task. If you don't perform that task, then you're out on your ear and it has nothing and, to do and, with the interrelationship with the other automatons around you, right? Exactly. And why? Because that is an easy, seemingly easy way to manage. The drunk looks for his keys under the street lamp Right. <laughs> not not because he lost them there. That's because the, that's where the light is. Right, right. How we manage. Not because it's going to be effective, but it's easy to do. Just fascinating to me. So how can we shift our thinking? Ah, good question. Well, what does shifting the thinking mean? It means giving every manager her or his dream. And that is their people coming together, creating solving problems. That's what the end goal is. So let's keep the end goal in mind. But for people to come together, and by the way, in the knowledge economy, this coming together to create is not a nice to have. It is essential. It's right. Because knowledge has no has limited value because of the speed of change. <laughs> knowledge doesn't have staying power. Right. It's the ability to create new value constantly is what keeps a, a, an organization's head above water, what's what keeps them ahead of the competition. So you need your people creating. And what we know is that the power of synthesis and the power of cre creativity goes up dramatically when two curious people and two creative individuals work together. But for them to work together, they need to have something. And what they have to, have to be able to, able to do is have frank talk. They have to be able to call a spade a spade. They have to be able to bear their dumb ideas and not feel embarrassed, not feel that it will be used against them. Right. And that's, so, a, that's a big fear, right? Yeah, I mean, I face yeah. that fear myself. And I think that sometimes it's, it's inhibiting as a member of a group of people working together, which, I mean, I don't know if you probably went through this at college. I, in college, I hated team projects. I hated it because it felt like only one or two people were actually contributing. What I failed to realize then is, hey, this is your introduction to the workplace yes. and it's going to be like this at work. So you have to figure out how to communicate, how to drive uh, participation with everybody else, especially if you have leadership qualities or you're a person that is vocal and honest, like you suggested there, having those frank conversations and not fearing that you might hurt somebody's feelings or that your own feelings might be hurt or that you might come into question your intellect and your desire to create or change might come into question. And that need goes right to the heart of your question is, is how do you build these relationships in the workplace? Because I, I need to have frank talk. I need to bear my soul. I need to, I have to be willing to appear dumb at times uh -huh. uh, and not worry about it. Right. So what does that mean? That means I trust you. I trust you implicitly to have my goodwill foremost 
in your mind. And that means we can come together, share ideas, and have, and it's a fun process. It's dynamic, it's loud, it's raucous, and we're tearing apart each other's ideas, but we can do it because of the immense trust. So now the question becomes, how do I get trust? Well, it's actually not complex. I get to, to trust you. I gotta know you as a human being. There's gotta be an attachment between us. I have to take time to understand things about your life, things that are important to you, so that I, and it's only then do I appreciate you as a human being. It's only then that the trust builds. And now, I, most of the female part of the human population that are listening to this are saying, duh. Yeah. This is obvious. Yeah. Yes. We, we're a little bit better, I think, at bearing our souls than men are. And I think that it's, um, it's difficult for men because I think there is this, uh, fear that uh, they might be seen as not as weak, but as somebody who's sensitive. And that's not always a great trait in the workplace or considered a great trait. I think it's wonderful. Um, I actually, actually, I disagree. Oh, okay. I don't think it's because of fear. I think, and this is a, this is a, a the Achilles heel of many Western organizations is it's a waste of time. Oh. Uh, we have to do things. We have a short period of time to do them in. Uh, I can't take the, get, get to take the time to get to know my people and let them to get to know me. So in the, in the, it's in the name of efficiency, I will sacrifice relationships. And so it, I think it comes down to pure, it's not a good investment of my time. They could not be more wrong. Believe me. Yeah, I, I have to tell you, Ron, I felt that way myself. As even as a woman, I have, there have been times in my work life where I have thought, I don't have time to develop yep. a relationship. Let's just get Absolutely. the work done. And, and it's evident in some of my email correspondence, you know, let's just get, let's just get the work done. All I need are these answers instead and, of investing and, in that relationship. And in the turnarounds I do is the bigger the mess, the more time I spend with, have the team spending on relationships. Like typically I will spend, I'll bring the entire team together. Let's say it's a hundred people, a hundred plus, Half a day every six weeks, that's 50 person days lost, supposedly every six weeks. And if, if it's a really mess, I have done it as often as half a day a week, and it drives the executive over the hill. <laughs> but fortunately, they're so deep in the doo-doo, and they give me enough rope that, and the result I get from that is you actually have to go slow to go fast. And the turnarounds, we accomplished miracles. We moved mountains because of the relationships that have been built. Oh, that's, that's, that's fascinating. So what does, I know we're going to close in on time really quick. I can't believe how fast these conversations go with you because there's just so much to say. Let's talk about what it looks like. What does it look like to have an effective, productive relationship at work? What does okay. that look like to somebody that maybe has no and, idea and, and, what that means? Before we finish, I would like to spend about five minutes on how do you actually grow it? Okay. Because I want to share my experience there. but. To have an effective relationship, it means that I'm sharing. It comes down, you know what it comes down to? I care about your success. I care about the success of, of the whole. I'm open. I don't hold my cards close to my, to my chest. I'm pushing you and you're pushing me towards success. You know what it looks like? It looks like joy of work. And I'm very careful who I share this with. When I work with clients that are being introduced to this new, I, I say, do you want to make a lot of money? 
I said, well, this is what you need to do. And I say, unfortunately, you will introduce joy of work into your organization. There's nothing I can do about that. It's a consequence of having high EI, high RI, and high CI in your organization. But it will make you phenomenally productive. But it, it comes down to you care about people, you care about your organization, and you guys are just building and creating like there's no tomorrow, and it is fun. Yeah, and, and so to the layman, to me, within an organization, is there an obvious person that you should go to? That is there somebody that you can sense that this is how they work and maybe they can help make it happen within the organization? Or is it really something that is so foreign to most of us in our professional setting that we each have to dig deep within ourselves to find it? Or or can we rely on others? What's the best way to get it going and make it so it's maintained and sustained? The answer is yes, yes, and yes. Okay. It's the responsibility of every single manager at every single level to grow RI. The question, the thing is, uh, very few of them know how to do it. And so there's an education process in, in, in place. And it's the responsibility of every single member of staff to grow RI, their own RI. Why? Because RI, the level of RI, is the greatest predictor of future success, of personal success, and of organizational success. As a manager, what you have to do is, is help people understand the value of relationships and then understand how you grow them and how you grow them through attachment. And relationships are like a balloon with a hole in it. To keep the balloon inflated, if it has a hole, you have to keep blowing. Relationships are like that too. You can have a great relationship, but if you don't nurture it, if you don't pay attention to it, it will deflate. And then you have to put a lot of energy back into inflating a game. So in an organization, if I want to grow RI, the first thing I'd do is I'd educate people. And then I would change the evaluation process such that the ability to build trusting relationship is an element of everyone's performance appraisal. I'd also change the performance appraisal to be based on part on the performance of the team as a whole. Because what is RI? It's getting people to care about other people's success and contribute to other people's success. But the system drives behavior. For example, Rayanne, I work for you. And you determined that me being a team player is critical. For your team, the nature of the work, we have to be team players. Fortunately, you are an eloquent communicator. You bring me into your office, you talk to me, you explain, I walk out converted. I am convinced. <laughs> I am be a team player. I walk back to my desk. You know what's on my desk? My performance evaluation, mm. my bonus evaluation. You know what it's based on? One thing, what I personally deliver. Now, unless I'm a saint, and by the way, management through sainthood is still the predominant <laughs> way of managing. Unless I'm a saint, and I'm not, I say, screw we, I'm going for me. And I won't say that consciously. I will say that subconsciously. I'll still... Think of I'm a team player, but my actions will be to maximize benefit to myself. Because we self-protect, right? Yes. We, because we want to protect our own personal investment and our job and our jobs and our place, our place so in, to, within the organization. You have to change the evaluation process so that self-protecting means caring about the whole. And you stop and think about it. If a part of the company goes down and takes a company with it, it makes total sense yeah. to care about the whole. The other thing you need to do is introduce common cause. And this like all the three intelligences are interwound. They're not separate things. They, they, they impact each other. And so creating common cause relates to what we'll be talking about on corporate intelligence. But if you and I have the same cause, if, you see, if we see ourselves as taking a company to a given point and creating the same thing, we have much more reason to be open with each other because your success and my success is contributing to something we both believe in. The last thing you have to do is you have to help your people. Like, 
We have trust. Okay, let's suppose you have built trust. You have an organization with phenomenal trust. Most people still are not skilled at frank talk. Yeah, that's uh, the most difficult. It's even that's even hard in our private lives, though. Right. Yes. So this is one of the hardest things for us as individuals and as a group, as a system, as a whole to accomplish, to overcome, and then move forward. So what I do is I help my people practice frank talk. For instance, I said I do that six-week thing. I bring the entire team together every, every six weeks, and there's a reason for that. Maybe the next session I'll have time to explain it. But one of the things I do is I do a relationship-building exercise by which it forces them to get to know each other in some way. And then I will put a frank talk exercise. For instance, I'll break them up into teams of seven. I'll bring in the client. I'll bring in the brass. I'll, I'll randomly add them to the teams. And I'll, then I'll put a question on the table. I'm saying the quality of the project is falling. Why is this and what can we do? And so each team has an in-depth discussion with brass present. They come to a conclusion. Then a member of the team stands up and delivers their perspective on that question. So until you get muscle memory, you're not good at something. What I do, that's part of the role of the manager, is to give muscle memory to their people. And part of the muscle memory I want to give them is the muscle memory associated with frank talk. That's really key. It's, it's um, essential for relationship intelligence is frank talk, which is the next, I think it's the next step beyond trust. I mean, you can yep. have somebody to tr that trusts you or you can trust somebody, but how much does it take to break that trust? Not much. If, nope. if there isn't frank talk or you can't trust what somebody's saying or that they're, they're being upfront with you or open. So communication seems to be a key factor in what I think what you call in the book system awareness. Yes. Okay. So let's wrap this conversation up if we can, because we're going to, we're going to go way over time and there's so much to say. And I want to remind our listeners that Ron has agreed to, um, give away a couple of books. So would love to have anybody send a message or remark about the podcast and we'll make sure that you get a copy of the book. When we consider system awareness and how important communication or frank talk is, open communication, frank talk is, then the next layer is, I believe you say, like problem solving that's on top of that. So mm -hmm. if we shift from frank talk to problem solving, is that just being able to work together because now you have that synergy that's been based on communication and an openness and frank talk or what helps you get to the problem solving peak of system awareness? Well, the problem, how you get there is first you build attachment. You, you, you appreciate your colleague as a human being from right. that comes trust. You have to be, 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 your frank talk skills have to be developed. Now you're able to communicate. And once you can communicate, the world's your oyster. The problem solving will just, whether you want it or not, <laughs> it'll just start happening. It's going to happen. Well, this is fabulous, Ron. And I can't wait to come back and talk with you about corporate intelligence, which we will we'll wrap up the series then. We may find at the end of that conversation that there's more to talk about. So I hope that, you know, I can keep you interested and, and have you back should the need be. And we may get some questions that maybe we yep. want to address in a, in a future podcast. I My guest that. today has been Ron Weeds. He's the author of Building Organizations That Leap Tall Buildings in a Single Bound. This is the series of that same title. I was um, 
gifted this book by a very good friend and he introduced me to Ron and I'm really appreciative of the opportunity to speak with you, Ron. If folks want to reach out to you, is the best way through email? Uh, through email uh, at Ron, uh, Ron at ronweens.com. Once again, Weens is spelled W-I-E-N-S. Or you can go to my website, ronweens.com. Perfect. And Ron has made it very clear throughout this series that all of this information is available to you. There are white papers on the site. You do not have to give an email address. You will not be spammed. Um, he has made it very clear that he is all about cultural change within organizations and is happy to contribute to anything that would benefit that within different companies and different organizations. So Ron, thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to our next conversation. As do I.